Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We're going to get into the final part of this relationship series, and it's been a little bit like um, in your face. Maybe that's why nobody's here today, because of, because of last week. Just hit me. Uh, but you may be really glad that this one's over after today. I don't know. Uh, but I hope you guys have at least had some good takeaways from it, even if it's been hard to hear. But the thesis of this series is that good relationships are, are possible. They're just not probable. Like you're more likely to have bad relationships than you are to have good relationships, especially if you follow the world's way of doing it. The thing is, uh, the world's relationship, like the way for relationships so common that we like fall into it without even thinking. And that's why we've had this core scripture through this series. Let's look at it one more time, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So apparently, some of us are copying the world's behaviors. And I'd venture to say that one of the most dangerous places to copy the world's behaviors is in relationships. But thank God he gives us the way out in the same verse. To save ourselves from the world's behavior, what do we do? We let God transform us. It's not up to us, it's up to God. The only part we play in it is we let him. But we have to let him, so we we have to lay down our own way, and we have to trust that his way is the best way. So can we all give God permission this morning to transform us into a new person? So say this after me. Say, God, I choose today to let you transform me. I lay down my own way, and I pick up yours. All right. The way he transforms us is by changing the way that we think. And I hope that you've picked up some new thinking through this series from the Word of God. And this is why we come to church, y'all, to to get a a little thinking update. You see, God has called me, and He's anointed me to bring you the Word every Sunday, what you guys need to hear. And every time you hear it, He's changing the way that you think. And then piece by piece, He's going to transform you into a new person. And here's why this is so powerful. The Scripture continues to say, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I mean, how awesome would it be to know God's will for you in every area of your life, in your relationships, in your job, in everything? Well, you can be confident in all those things. All you got to do is let God transform you. This is what God wants for your relationships. He wants them to be good. He wants them to be pleasing, and he wants them to be perfect. So this series is what was designed to lead you into those kind of relationships. So the, the good kind, the best kind, and you may remember last week's message titled Uncommon Commitment. It was probably one of the hardest to hear out of this entire series, so I was hoping I could come today and give you all like a nice warm hug. But we actually have one more thing to cover, uncommon conflict. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but when, re- when our relationships are fresh and new, have, we get this idea that conflict's never going to arise. Like, just go, just go talk to any couple that's like about to get married, like their wedding's coming up, and they're like, our relationship's going to be different. Like, we ain't ever going to get mad at each other. We ain't ever going to have conflict. And I can remember being stupid like that in the beginning of our relationship, too. There's going to be conflict. I, I was lying to myself, and all the married people in the room say, amen, right? But someone once said that marriage is like a deck of cards. It starts off with two hearts and one diamond. And by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. So conflict is inevitable in any relationship with your spouse, your your best friend, your pastor, your small group leader. So you can either live with this fantasy that conflict is going to go away, 
or you can learn to deal with it God's way. So God actually has some very clear ways for us to deal with conflict in his word. Uh, They all seem really counterintuitive because they're really uncommon to how most people deal with conflict. But how many of you believe that God's way is the best way? I know I do. But before we get into that, let's start at the beginning by looking at what causes conflict in the first place. So I'm going to give you the top four. And here's the first one, if you're taking notes, poor communication. So most conflict starts off really small, and then we just kind of like pile it on with the words that we say. Anybody? (laughs) Okay, just me. Well, Darla Bell did an entire message on communication, which was really awesome. She did it two weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it today, but if you missed that message, definitely go on our website and listen to it because it's going to help you out. But when emotions are high, we tend to be a little too loose with our tongues, and we say things that we would never say otherwise just because we're a little heated, we're a little upset. And our relationships will never thrive if we don't learn how to communicate effectively. I actually heard of this guy who said to his wife, and I can't believe that he said this, but here's what he said. He says, I can't believe you can be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. And she said, well, let me explain it to you. God made me beautiful so you'd be attracted to me. He made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) That's a wise wife right there, huh? Here's a prayer that we should probably all say every day. Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So I want you to notice that the first response to conflict isn't to go resolve the conflict with the other person. That shouldn't be your first response. No, your first response should be to go to God and say like, hey, God, I need some help because my mouth is about to let loose and I'm going to let him have it. So we're talking about four causes of conflict. Here's the next one, unfulfilled expectations. Have you ever noticed that like all anger starts here? Like you've never been angry unless you expected something and then it didn't happen. You wanted, to, you wanted something, you didn't get it, so now you're mad. And the Bible actually speaks to this problem very directly. Of course, it's found in James. If you want some direct language, go read James. They'll slap you in the face a few times. James 4.1 says, what's causing these quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. So there it is. A solid definition of unfulfilled expectations, if I've ever seen one. They got the promotion I wanted, so now I'm mad. They have this perfect life, and mine sucks, so now I'm mad. I wanted the highway to myself, and now there's all these stupid drivers on the highway, so now I'm mad. And I watched the Democratic debate just a few days ago. It was hilarious. If you want a good comedy routine, go watch that. It was was a fun time. But they were all ripping on Bloomberg for being rich. Over and over and over. Can you guess why everybody was so upset about Bloomberg being rich? Because they were jealous of what he has, and so they wanted to fight to take it away from him. You didn't know you could find that in Scripture, huh? Somebody should have brought that up in the debate, huh? Well, Scripture says. But, but this kind of stuff is what causes us to fight. I mean, really? Wow, I always thought it was the other person's fault. But anyway, here's the answer. Yet you don't have what you, what you want because you don't ask God for it. Ah, another indicator that we're supposed to go to God first, right? That should be our first response to conflict instead of going to the other person. So our first response should be to spend time with God and ask him for what we need. Hope you all are starting to get this. Can, can you kind of sense it like you're thinking, starting to change? You're being transformed and your thinking's being updated 
And so he's going to make your relationships better. That's how God's doing this thing. You see, the only reason you have unfulfilled expectations is because you're expecting something from people that only God can give you. And this can get really extreme in marriage, where you find yourself like looking to your spouse for fulfillment when your spouse can't give you fulfillment. Only God can give you fulfillment. And here's the next one. Despising differences. All right. I got to get this off my chest. I spent at least the first year, probably a little longer than that, it's hard to remember, of our marriage trying to uh, make Beth more like me. (laughs) You see, I'm a tidy person. Beth likes a little bit of clutter in her life. So obviously my way is better. I have my way of loading the dishwasher. She has hers. But mine's the best way. Y'all are looking at me because you guys have the same problems, right? Then one day, I, and I can remember like it was yesterday, I was watching Joyce Meyer on TV, and she said, uh, if your spouse's clothes on the floor are bothering you, go pick them up. They don't even bother them. Why should they have to pick them up? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I sat like in a trance for a while after I heard that. And, uh, but I was smart enough to realize that Joyce has a lot more relationship wisdom than I do. So I listened to her and I let God transform me in that area. So now I'm free, mostly. <laughs> I, can, I can pick up best clothes off the floor without even an ill word about or ill thought about her. Like, I don't, it doesn't even bother me. But I know she's thinking about this probably. So I got to get another thing off my chest. <clears throat> she takes off her shoes, like in our living area. One pair after another, they just pile up. And you know who's taking notice? Our kiddos. So what do they do? They do the same thing, and they just add to the pile. Well, I'm the parent in this situation, not the spouse. So I've been training these girls to pick up their shoes and put them in the closet. And what do I do? Well, I pick up best shoes, and I use it as a training moment. I say, girls, where do we put our shoes? In the closet, Daddy. That's right. Isn't that right, Mommy? So I guess I'm still working on it. So our differences were cute when, when we were dating. You remember that? It was just so cute. But then we got married and we wanted to change each other. Luckily, not too far into our marriage, we figured out that that wasn't the best strategy. God didn't bring us together to change each other. We've got to learn the skill in every relationship. When we notice that somebody, notice that somebody is different than us, it shouldn't cause us to be upset. We should actually celebrate those differences because it means that they have something that we don't have, which is awesome. And when we bring our differences together, like as a church, God takes all these different pieces together and he brings them in to wholeness. And that's how we're the most effective. But we got to be different and we got to learn how to bring them together. So let's learn to celebrate where we're different instead of despising those differences. This is exactly why we have this core value here at No Limits. The comparison trap stops with me. And, this, and here's why Jesus said this is so important. In Mark 3.25, he said, If a house is divided against itself, the house can't stand. All right, here's the fourth cause of conflict, and that's sin nature. And we could really sum everything else up into this one. Like, because the truth is we're all in this process of overcoming our sin nature. We get that about ourselves, so we're so thankful for like, God's never-ending grace and forgiveness. We know we aren't perfect, so thank God he's always there to forgive us right? And help us out of our mess. But then we hold everybody else to a higher standard. I can't believe they said that to me. I can't believe they did that to me. If they think that I'm going to forgive them, they're fooling themselves because they knew better. 
Just a few days later, we're crying out to God. I can't believe I did that again. I'm so sorry, God. I knew better, and here you are forgiving me and restoring me back to wholeness. So it's funny how we'll cut ourselves some slack, but we don't want to do that for other people. Just because their problem was different or maybe seemed more severe or however you want to categorize it. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but here's the truth. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So I know you aren't going to be perfect. I know you're going to mess up. And so that's why I'm not going to get on to you when you mess up. I'm going to help you because we're in this together. And I want you to notice once again that the answer to conflict is not getting the other person to agree with you, but to let, let God work inside of you. You can't change them, but you can let God change you. So we just talked about the four causes of conflict, and there's actually four different ways that we can deal with that conflict. Here's the first one, my way. I'm the parent. I'm the husband. I'm the boss. This is going to go my way. So you all just sit down and submit. Plus, my way is the best way. It's going to be better for you. It's going to be better for me. So let's just do this my way. Here's the second one, your way. Okay, okay, we'll just do it your way. Like, I just want to keep the peace. So yeah, whatever you say. Yet there really isn't peace because you're miserable on the inside. And they think that they won, but nobody won. So most of us think that the next one that I'm going to show you is the right one. And it's really close. But it's not quite there, halfway. All right, we're going to compromise. I'll be right half the time, and you can be right half the time. So now you're only mad 50% of the time. The problem was that won't even get you a passing grade in school, 50%. So there's obviously a better way, and here's the win-win for both sides of the conflict, and that's God's way. And this is really going to, this is a stark contrast to the world's way. It's not going to make sense. People are going to think that you're crazy for following it, but you know what? You're going to have the best relationships around if you do this God's way. So what is God's way? It's when you go to him first. You resist the urge to confront and argue and prove your point, and you instead take time to spend time with God first and allow him to work on the inside of you. Even the most extreme marriage conflict can probably be solved if both the husband and wife will get alone with God, spend some time with God before they try to hash it out. Because you know what? Whenever you do that, sometimes the conflict, most of the time, the conflict just dissolves itself, just disappears. It's awesome. So it reminds me of an old saying about how you can use a brick to either build something or you can use it to destroy something, like throwing it through a window or something. Have you guys heard that one? So when you're holding conflict, you have a choice. You can use it to build a stronger relationship or you can use it to hurt the relationship. And let me put it to you this way. If you, if you put God first, you're going to use that brick to build the relationship. But if you try to do it your way, you're probably going to throw it right through the glass and make a hole in your relationship. So some of you have trapped yourself in conflict because you've decided, I can't move on until they dot, 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 fill fill in that blank. You've literally put them in charge of your own peace and your own happiness. And my hope for today is that you're going to set yourself free. Because here's the deal. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. Like, I don't have to wait on you to decide or apologize or do something Because I've decided, and now there's no conflict, because the conflict game has to have two people, and if I ain't going to play, then there's not going to be no conflict. Y'all want to jump into the the deep this morning? Go for a little deep dive? It's a little more comfortable to kind of wait around in the shallow end of Christianity. But strength comes when we dive into the deep. And here's, here it is. We tend to see God as someone who's there to, like, give us the things that we want. Like, we have this idea, we imagine him saying, hey, kiddo, what do you want? 
just, just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. Oh, you want me to change that person? Okay, yeah, just, just give me a second and I'll go change him. But that's not the Bible because here's the Bible for you, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Crucified? Man, that's a harsh word. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, so this life isn't about me. This isn't about winning the argument. It's not about being right because I've killed my expectations. I've, I've killed my desires. I don't want people to see Cade or, or like celebrate Cade. I want people to see Christ in me and celebrate Christ. Have you ever noticed that a dead person can't get mad? Like a dead person can't get jealous? Why? Because they're dead. They're dead. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians said, I die every day. Have you all read that scriptures? So every day he must have had these selfish desires trying to come back to life on the inside of him, and he just put them to death every day. He chose to let Christ live on the inside of him. And I know this is probably not what you want to hear. Like, you've probably been praying, God, change them. But what God wants to hear is, God, change me. So let me wrap up today by giving you four uncommon responses to conflict. So this is going to take everything we talked about today and make it practical so you can take it home and apply it to your life. And here's the first one. I will act, not react. Some things just push your buttons. You know what they are. And when it happens, you usually respond with an explosive reaction. But what would happen if you took a minute to to think, spend time with God so you could act instead of react? In other words, you need a pre-conflict plan. <laughs> you need a strategy. So what's your strategy to keep yourself from reacting to conflict? As a kid, I can remember my mom's plan. She, we would make her upset, and she would take a moment to count to 10 quietly in her head before she responded to us. One, two. We're like, what is she doing? She's just like staring at us. But the reason she did that is because she didn't want to say or do something that she would later regret. And the Bible reveals why this is so important in Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So this scripture reveals two things. First, being angry is not a sin. But apparently it's pretty easy to sin because of your anger, which displays itself most commonly as an explosive reaction, right? And the second thing you can see is that when you choose to hold on to your anger, it gives the devil a foothold in your life. In other words, you give him authority to do things in your life that, trust me, You don't want him to do. So when you have conflict with your spouse or your friend or your parent or whoever it is, be intentional about settling the conflict before the day's over. At the same time, don't hesitate to give things a few hours to cool off before you try to go settle the conflict. So is is this making sense, everybody? Like, you don't have to settle it immediately, but you should settle it before the sun goes down. And when you spend time with God, it may just resolve the conflict. You don't have to confront him at all. Sometimes conflict does require a conversation. A lot of times you'll find out if you just calm down, let God do a work on the inside of you, the conflict just disappears. So here's some pre-conflict strategies that you guys might want to try. These aren't in your message notes, but you might want to write down the one that kind of hits you right in the forehead. Here's the first one. Never put it off to the next day because it's common to say we'll think about or we'll talk about this tomorrow and then you never talk about it. So in one year, it's just boiling up on the inside. So just, just get it out there. Get, talk about it. Overcome conflict before the day ends. That's your deadline. So let that motivate you to take action. Here's the next one. Never call names. You hear this a lot from parents these days, and it really makes me sad when they're just like, you idiot, you didn't study for that test, you dummy, you could have done better on on your test. Or or my kid's the devil's child, like they drive me crazy. I hear that one a lot. Your kids will become exactly what you say about them. 
I covered this at Freedom Night a few weeks ago, but something we have to remember as parents is that our kids' bad behavior is not who they are. What they do is not who they are. In other words, we should never say things like, you're such a crazy kid, or you'll never learn how to listen. You're a bad, bad girl. And yes, like the behavior was wrong, and there's still going to be consequences. You're still going to be getting a whooping. But I know that that's not who you are. You're a gift from God. God's called you for a purpose, and I've been gifted with the opportunity to help you fulfill and find that purpose as your parent. So that's how we should talk to our kids, and really that goes for every relationship. Don't call names. Here's the next one. Never raise your voice. Did you know you can say what you need to say without becoming all loud and intimidating? And guess what? Your conversation will actually be more effective whenever you're calm and use your normal speaking voice. My mom is the ultimate example of this one. I can't recall one time that my mom yelled at us. You can't either, can you? She would discipline us with like the calmest tone, but yet it was so effective. Actually, a lot of times she didn't even have to use words. She just gave us that look, and we'd all stop doing what we were doing. So if you're about to yell, just like walk away, do what you need to do to just take a moment and breathe so you can go back and and address it with a calm tone. And here's the next one, never get historical. This one's for the ladies in the room. So come on, men, I'm going to help you out here. (laughs) Women have a memory that's unbelievable. They can pull something out of the filing cabinet of their minds from 10 years ago like it was yesterday. And most of the time, us guys, we have no idea what you're talking about. What? Yet you can like remember what we were wearing, what the weather was like, what we had for dinner that day, all before the conflict came up. So let's leave the past behind. The conflict that you're in right now is bad enough. You don't need to pile on past conflict to make this an effective argument. Actually makes it worse. Here's the next one. Never say never or always. You never do that for me. You always do that. No one ever, no one like always or never does anything. So stop being so dramatic. Seriously. Here's the most important one on the list. Never threaten divorce. Take it out of your vocabulary. It's not an option. So why even threaten it? Like you made the commitment till death do us part. And you're going to stick it up. You're going to hold up your end of the bargain. So you ruin any chance of resolving conflict when you threaten divorce. How do you expect someone to recon- how do you expect to reconcile with someone when you're threatening to bail on them right in the middle of your argument? It's not going to go anywhere. Your spouse needs to be confident that when you have a disagreement, you're not going to go anywhere. You're still there with them through this disagreement. And here's another uncommon response to conflict, and that's, I will focus on the good in you. We're all experts at focusing on the negative. Like 10 different people could tell us that they appreciate us, and one person could tell us how they don't like us. And what are we going to remember? That one person that told us they didn't like us. We could accomplish five great things at work one day, and then when you get home, all you can think about is that one thing that you didn't get done. We forward the same thought process into how we see people. There could be a hundred things they do right, but all we can seem to focus on is that one thing that they did wrong. You could love everything about your spouse except that one thing, and all you can think about is that one thing and how it drives you crazy. So let's intentionally flip this around. Every time you have a negative thought, just replace it with a positive. Instead of thinking about that thing you don't like about your spouse, think about something that you do like about them. It's going to help you. Instead of Focusing on that thing you did wrong at work yesterday, focus on all the things that you did right. It's going to help you. And let the scripture hit you right between the eyes. Philippians 4.8, 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So if you allow yourself to think negative thoughts, you're being disobedient to the Word of God. So every time those negative thoughts come up, just kick them out by thinking something positive. It works every time. And you'll probably find that you have to do this every 10 seconds at first. But then you get better at it. The more you focus on the positive, the less power the negative has over your life, and you'll find it happening less often, and it'll be a lot easier to kick the negative thoughts right out of there. And hear me on this. There is never a good reason to think negative thoughts. Never. You think that it's honorable to dwell on your mistakes, but it's actually sin to dwell on those negative thoughts. You think that they'll get away with it if you forget about it, but it's actually sin for you to sit there and think about it. Set yourself free. The only thoughts you should have are those that are of God, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Here's the next one. I'll extend God's grace to you. We all want to receive grace, but we struggle to give grace. When we mess up at work, we hope our boss will cut us some slack, but when our coworker messes up, fire him. Get him out of here. We go to God in prayer and thank him for his never-ending grace. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. And then we ask him to punish those who have done us wrong. So it's time to extend God's grace to others, and that's why the Bible says this. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So let me translate. If your husband messes up and he hurts you deeply, don't give him the silent treatment. Don't put on your turtleneck pajamas for the night. Fix him a meal. Get him a drink. Love him like you've never loved him before. And fellas, don't think you're getting out of this. When your wife says something that disrespects you or makes you feel like she doesn't appreciate you, don't punish her by disappearing, working more hours or or whatever you're going to do. Instead, spend more time with her and love her like you've never loved her before. That's what the scripture is saying. And I get it. It seems impossible. And it really is impossible without the last thing on this list. The last thing, when you do it, it actually gives you the power to be somebody that you don't even recognize. Where did this person come from? You won't be able to believe how much peace and love you can have in the middle of conflict, right in the middle of it. God's offering us a transformation this morning, and this is the one thing that will give it to you. I will remember God's grace to me. Every time I remember what God has done for me, it gives me the capacity to do the same for others. It isn't something that I can come up with my own, come with come up with on my own. It's an overflow of what God's pouring into me. So go ahead and just close your eyes this morning, and I believe that the Spirit of God is here right now, and He's doing a transforming work on the inside of us. So let's just take a moment to let Him do that work. You don't have to convince Him to do this. You don't even have to ask Him to do it. All you have to do is let Him. So right where you are, just invite God this morning to transform you into a new person right now. God, we invite you. We let you. We open the door into every area of our life. God, transform us.
There's some in the room that transformation's taking place because you're finally receiving God's grace. Like you've messed up bad, but you can sense that God wants to forgive you and restore you right now. So receive that love and just say, yes, God, restore me. Yeah, I made mistakes in my past, and yeah, they, they were really bad. But I receive your grace so that I can move forward. I believe there's marriages being restored. You've been mad at your spouse, but God's grace is softening those hard places in you right now. You can, you can sense his forgiveness starting to overflow. And it's going to overflow onto your spouse. So let God just continue to pour that forgiveness into you so you have the capacity to forgive your spouse. Just go ahead and keep your eyes closed. I'm going to read you all one more scripture this morning. I want you to let it settle on the inside of you. This is found in 1 John chapter 4. It says, This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and to clear away the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. So you might feel overwhelmed right now because I've asked you to do something that you can't do. You want these kind of relationships that we're talking about, but there's no way that you can handle conflict with such grace and love. And you're right, you can't do it. And the reason you can't is because you haven't allowed God to come on the inside of you. So maybe you're new to all this, or maybe you've been going to church for a long time or for years, and you've never really received the love of God in a way that clears away those sins and restores that relationship with Him. And actually, you feel right now that maybe there's like a conflict between you and God, and the only thing that can settle it is Jesus. God sent His Son Jesus as a sacrifice to settle the conflict between you and God once and for all. All you have to do is believe that Jesus did what needed to be done so that you could have a relationship with God. That's how you receive it. And if that's you, if you're ready to receive this forgiveness, this love that Jesus provided for you, I want you to just raise your hand right now show God you're ready. If you're ready to receive that love in its fullness, just raise your hand. We're all going to pray this prayer together out loud. You've already made the decision in your heart, so let's just seal the deal. By praying this out loud together, go ahead and say this, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. It's obvious, my way is not working. I want you to live on the inside of me. Transform me. Make me who you want me to be. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for clearing away my sin. Thank you for repairing my life. I confess you as Lord of my life. I give you my life. All of it. In Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you this morning for what you did for us, and we receive it, and we reflect on it, and we'll never forget it. We'll never take it for granted. We thank you for making us new. So, Lord, we make a a choice to die to ourselves and to live in you because your way is way better than ours. So I thank you for transforming us through this series. Let us not forget the the truth that has uh, come on the inside of us, those seeds that have been planted. God, I pray that they will reap a mighty harvest in our relationships. And we'll go forth and we'll have relationships like we could have never imagined, those that are good and pleasing and perfect. I thank you for marriages that are whole. I thank you for friendships that are, that are strong, where we're 
confident that we can trust them, even with our deepest, darkest secrets, that we get to that place where your word tells us we can confess our sins to each other and trust that they're going to pray with us and that they're going to help us. Lord, we thank you for those relationships. We thank you for relationships between parents and kids that are going to be strong. We thank you that uh, as parents, we will appreciate our kids, that we will honor our kids, and we'll love our kids, and we'll see them as you see them, not as a nuisance, not as something that's holding us back, but as a gift from you. God, we lift our kids up to you, and we, we honor them, and we thank you for them. And we ask that you help us as parents to help them live out their call and not hinder them in any way, but to just lead them into what you've set them here to do. We believe that you put them here for a purpose. And we're here to help them find it. So guide us and lead us and give us wisdom as parents. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer to let Jesus into your heart, we want to support you along the journey, but we can only support you if we know. So we've set up this easy way for you to tell us. You can just text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883, and we'll, we'll text you back within the next day and, and give you some next steps. You'll also find this information at the end of your message notes if you want to do that later. So we just had a board meeting this past Thursday, and we were kind of reflecting on everything that happened in 2019. It was actually really exciting. Did you know that as a church, uh, last year we had more income for the year as a church than we've ever had, like as our best year ever financially? And it was actually 23% higher than the previous year. That's tremendous growth. And you know what this enabled us to do? Be more generous than we've ever been. We gave over $40,000 last year to outreach and missions. It's so awesome. We built a church in the Philippines. We provide monthly support to a ministry in Mexico. We support Don't Look Back Prison Ministry. We support the Pregnancy Resource Center. Like, making a big impact in those areas. It's really awesome. And your generosity is what enables us to do these things. So I don't ever want you to think that your, your generosity is not doing anything. Like, it's doing amazing things. And it takes all of us doing our parts. So never think that your giving's too small. Give as the Lord directs you and trust that he's going to use that to make us even more generous this year than we were last year. Let's believe for an even bigger year this year, because I think God wants to do it. If you came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. You can just raise your hand, and one of our ushers in the back will bring you an offering envelope if you're given by cash or check. Um, if you're given with a debit or credit card, you can use the instructions on the screen behind me. Or if you're listening online right now or you want to do this later at home, you can head to your browser on your computer or your phone, type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com, and then you'll just tap that giving button. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.